Hello, beautiful souls. I am so excited to share this episode and today's guest with you. And I am just so honored to have my beautiful soul sister, Kira Kali, on the podcast. Kira brings so much light and profound insight to this episode and this one is just dedicated to those of you who are on your own journey and looking for some insight into how to take your own healing to the next level and how to allow that to transmute into your relationships. So Kira and I discussed the realm of Tantra and the transmutation of sexual energy and the power in that. We also discussed the dissolution of sexual shame and how this has played a crucial role in her journey and the evolution of past and present relationships. We also discussed many variables of healthy relationships and how to increase your awareness around repetitive patterns, trauma bonds, attachment styles, and how our romantic relationships really become mirrors for us. We also have a very important conversation about the rebel archetype, and if you don't know what that is, you will just have to stay tuned to see. But whether you are single or in partnership, this episode has so many profound takeaways, and I hope that one or more speak to you and land exactly when and where they need to. As always, thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Big Little Soul Podcast. All right, so welcome, beautiful soul sister. To the listeners, I am here with the beautiful Kira Kali, my beautiful sister that I had the privilege of meeting recently in my training in Sedona. And I have brought this beautiful soul sister on the podcast today to just really talk about her personal journey, the work that she's doing in this world, and to just bring forth a lot of topics and energy that I really think is truly profound and that a lot of you may benefit from hearing. So welcome to the podcast, sister. Mm, Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be here. Mm, It's an honor (laughs) to have you. And it was just really truly an honor to meet you and I remember that first moment when our eyes kind of locked at Anahata's and it was just like that deep knowing and that moment of like oh yeah like I see you I see you yeah so thank you for just being here and for supporting me in all of the ways that you have been there through the training and as a friend thereafter. And yeah, I'm just curious uh, to kick things off here. What was your biggest takeaway from Anahata's training? Oh my, that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My biggest takeaway was probably really igniting the power within myself um, and trusting what I'm bringing here, you know, to be of service, to 
be of true service for others in a way where I can drop my ego and just show up. Mm-hmm. And that happened through Anahata's program by really deconstructing belief systems and pushing past limitations of what I thought I was capable of doing and how I show up in this world. And it was such an encouragement in that space to do so. Mm-hmm. So I would say that was the biggest takeaway. I mean, of course, we learned so many modalities, uh, healing modalities. But as I've integrated back into, you know, my space, um, they're actually turning into different modalities now. You know, we, we learn certain aspects from teachings and from other teachers, but the true inspiration comes by once we've digested that is how is it going to show up in our unique creation? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to give that to others so that it is in our most authentic, you know, um, our most authentic alignment to provide that service for others? Because mm-hmm. when we grab someone else's modality, we're like, okay, this is what I'm going to use. I learned this tool and I use this tool. And sometimes you can play with that, um, whether you're doing clients or breath work or workshops. And you're trying these modalities that someone has taught you, but it doesn't necessarily hit. Like you can feel it. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm doing this rattle and I'm, <laughs> and I'm saying these words and you know what? I'm doing it because that's what I was taught, but it's not, it's not creating a vibration where people are feeling it. Mm-hmm. So as a healer, it is really our responsibility to realign to that true center of our modalities. And remembering what we've had in other lifetimes. And so bringing that up as well. Absolutely. And for the listener, maybe you can just um, explain a little bit and and elaborate a little bit about how that integration and expression of those modalities has, has unfolded after the course. But maybe you can just give a little blurb about exactly what you do do in your work. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. I, for a long time, I've had a really difficult time explaining what I do. Um, It's come very naturally and it's come from all sorts of different origins and past lives and remembering. So Mm -hmm. what I call myself now, um, a simplistic version is a transformational guide. Mm. And I have found that many people come to me when they're at a place of wanting to awaken wanting to get curious of like, I'm unhappy and I don't know how to get out of this. And we get stuck in these patterns over and over. And at a certain point, not all of us, but some of us choose to consciously want to change. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I come in is we begin to navigate into the depths of the shadow. Where is the blockages? Where are you holding your you know, the, the places within yourself that aren't being lit up. Mm -hmm. And, um, I help people navigate through that, you know, and I'm not the most, uh, normal type of healer or guide. I can be a little rough. I can be, I can shake people up, but I am always holding a space of safety. And I think that's what the clients feel, but I'm here to trigger you to help you figure out what keeps blocking you from reaching that highest point that you deserve to be at. And that's what I ultimately want for you. 
Because when you succeed, I succeed. When you heal, you're healing your family, you're healing your kids, you're healing your husband or wife, you're healing a whole system. Mm-hmm. And so it is my job to help you navigate, to unlock those codes and that dormant DNA. And the dormant DNA is such an important piece too, because only part of our DNA is activated. And in order to fully activate the rest of our DNA, we have to move into that shadow space. Mm-hmm. Because once we do, once we figure out what our triggers are and the pieces that um, need to come out, we begin to find this sense of freedom. And we begin to find our center and our truth. And we begin to understand what it is to truly love oneself. And that, mm, that is fucking magical to me. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's goosebumps with you. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I just love even talking about it. Like I can feel the energy. I can feel my deep passion and purpose in this and to hold that space. um, Yeah, and it's, um, it's been really powerful to witness so many other transformations. And the reason I can do that is not because of the knowledge I've gained or the books I've read, It's because I've gone through the experience. Mm -hmm. All of my wisdom comes from my own experiences. I am not someone that can memorize a whole book on chakras (laughs) and shamanic teachings and tantra. My wisdom comes from feeling it, experiencing it, and then integrating it to now give it to somebody else. Mm So, you know, if you want facts, I don't have those. (laughs) I just have um, my truth center and I give that to others. Mm-hmm. So that's the long run of what I do. <laughs> I love that. And a lot came up for me as you were saying that, but just to touch on what you just concluded with there with not really having facts to offer. And I think it's kind of a sad thing in today's society that we put so much emphasis on degrees and accolades and titles. And it's hard when you're in this work, as you said at the beginning, it's hard to even describe what you do. And it's, it is very difficult to articulate. And I think part of the reason why there's a lot of judgment around this work is because there's not really a specific school you go to. There's not a degree that you get, as you said, it's learning through experience. And I would really love to start seeing more of a shift to acknowledging people's experience instead of just what acronyms are beside their name. And that's not to denote and take away from the validity and the the work and the time, the effort that goes into that and all that that brings forth in people, the knowledge and the skills that you can gain. I mean, I went to university for seven years. I know that I learned an immense amount of information and skills that I still use today through that. And I also believe for myself personally, I've learned exponentially more through experience. And so I'm curious when you say that you are somebody who is a little bit different in the sense that you kind of shake people and you get in there and you go into the shadow, what was it that shook you that was Mm. the catalyst to (laughs) all of this 
being unlocked for you and for you just stepping into this power? What was, yeah, what shook you? Wow, that is such a great question. Um, oh, what shook me? I had a massive, abrupt Kundalini awakening um, that was very unexpected. I had gone through um, a very traumatic experience over a 10 year period. And once that ended, um, I was invited to my first Tantra retreat and I had never under, never knew anything about Tantra. I didn't have the money for it. Um, I was still recovering from the trauma I had gone through and, um, something just said, like, just go. <laughs> I said, okay. So I went to a retreat in Honduras, um, a Tantra retreat by, a, um, a facility called Issa. Incredible. Um, it is neo-tantra and neo-tantra is more of a westernized version of tantra so they really focus on the sacred sexuality um, embodying not just sexuality but embodying um, embodiment embodying embodiment of of knowing that your body is part of the cosmos um, and so at that point, I didn't really know anything. I've been on a spiritual journey, but it was slow. It was a slow, just learning here, there. Um, and when I went to this, it opened me in such a way. And it was a little almost too abrupt for me. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't quite ready for the Kundalini to be activated because what the Kundalini is, is the coiled snake, they call it the energy serpent at the base of the spine. And we all have it. Um, and for some of us, it just, it's that time to awaken. And what it does is it activates that divine feminine energy and shoots it up to the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And so you have direct access. Um, so what took place there was a lot of release of sexual trauma for me, um, giving my body and remembering the amount of times I've given my body in this lifetime and in other lifetimes. Um, so freely when I've wanted to say no and I've said yes, you know, and I really learned that piece about what happens when a male penetrates you and that energy is exchanged. I learned in such a new way, it opened my eyes and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been, you know, not honoring my body and my yes and my nose. And so, um, there was one particular instance, I actually met a lover there um, and we really connected and we decided to um, make love. And so we prepared the space and um, it was probably, it was a seven day retreat. It was probably day six. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he entered and he paused and all of a sudden I felt the shaking in my body just vibrating in my entire body. And he was just pulsating. I could feel his penis just pulsating this energy. I know, right? Penis. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. And <laughs> say um, anything on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, this is an important piece is to yeah. talk about these experiences, you know? Um, Absolutely. And so he was holding that space within my womb and I could feel the penetration and he began to shake. And all of a sudden we both had full body orgasm. And it was, we both went out of body and it was the most spectacular experience I had had up to that point. 
Um, and afterwards, you know, we were laying there and that's when my Kundalini started activating. It was just, and the Krios, the shaking, the nonstop shaking. Um, and so that really began my journey um, in the spiritual realm, really. Um, and I had never heard of Kali. Um, and all of a sudden I was being given messages from her. Um, and Kali really is just an archetype of an energy of the serpent energy of the dark goddess and the dark goddess, for those who don't know, um, is really about the shadow work. She will work on you and make you pretty much die. <laughs> there is a full death experience of the ego so that you can rebuild. And the dark goddess is really beautiful that way. And that's how I kind of created that name. And it became me because she was my first outside um, guide that I really heard and listened to for a while. Following that retreat, um, the problem with the Kundalini, if you're not ready for it, is because the energy moves so quickly in your body. And if your chakras aren't fully open, it will stay there. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a period of four months. And by the end of that four months, I wasn't even going outside because everything just created shaking and vibration. And when I would touch someone, I couldn't stop shaking. And the energy was just so immense. Um, and then I found another teacher who taught me how to ground and move that energy. And I was really grateful for that. So there was a whole process in learning how to harness the energy of the Kundalini. Um, and that definitely came through activating um, through Tantra, the sexual practices, and the embodiment of full love, you know, sexually, full love, emotionally, just all of it. Mm -hmm. So that really is where kind of my journey began. It's beautiful. And yeah, I, again, just something that kind of frustrates me with our society and how we're raised is that there's no talk about the correlation between sex and energy. And really like that union of two bodies, two souls, that's one of the most profound exchanges of energy that you can experience on this planet in this lifetime. And so it's, I love to hear you speak about it from the standpoint of being immersed in the realm of Tantra and speaking on the energetic exchange and how profound that was and the catalyst that that was for you, because that, I mean, I think sexual energy is so powerful and it can be used in such a beautiful way when we learn to transmute it for the greater good for ourselves and other. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, through that time, I realized just how much shame I had of my own body. And that was really like my ego did not want to die there. It was like, no, like I am not getting naked in front of people. I am not like, that is not okay. I don't want to see someone else that I don't want to see, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't want someone to see me, you know, and I had to really like sit with that and be like, is this a no for me because I'm embarrassed of my own body or is this a no for me because it's not in alignment? And that piece is huge is when you, is the, the beginning process of listening to your yeses and nos. 
you know, listening to your body and being like, what is just hiding because you don't want to look at it, you know? Um, and there was just, I had grown up in a household and as so many of us have grown up where we didn't talk about sex. I remember telling my mom the first time I had sex and she was like, ah, la, 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 I don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. What that did for me was saying, oh, we don't talk about this. Okay. And so what I, where the only place I had to learn was from friends who had no clue either and boys that pressured us to tell us how we should be. Mm-hmm. And so guess where I went? I went to the pressure of how I should look, how I should be in bed, what I should feel. I had never up until this point, and this is what, what was so hard for me to realize was up until that point um, of that Tantra practice, I had never fully been in a unionship in a sexual partnership, yeah. a union with myself. I was living as a walking prostitute, but not really metaphorically yeah. speaking, you know, but that's what I was giving my body. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a lot of healing around that and forgiveness. There's a big piece to that where we want to create shame around who we used to be. And it was really just looking at my old self and just being like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I did not see you. And I'm so sorry I didn't protect you. And so part of that shadow journey for me was really seeing my younger self and giving the forgiveness that I deserve. So now that I can walk in alignment to my sexuality, you know, I have no problem walking around naked now. <laughs> you know, Those are I mean, overrated. Yeah, totally. I mean, for this <laughs> podcast, I put on some clothes, but you know, like I am just outside naked. I'm, you know, because it's not to show anybody. It's just because I feel one with my body mm-hmm. because it was created for this. Yeah, you know, and there are so many men and women, and especially ones that I have um, worked with, that have that, you know, that second chakra, mm-hmm. second chakra being your creative center, your sexual center, mm-hmm. and in turn, that blocks all the energy from above go below into ground, and so we work on a lot of that piece as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, man, this topic has come up so many times, especially since being down here and just being kind of more immersed in this realm of healing, but talking to people about sexual shame and about sexual abuse and how all of that childhood trauma and just the shame even around talking about this subject, how that carries through to our adulthood and just as you said, it causes us to repress and we get that stuck energy in that second sacral chakra. And that reflects in all of our other chakras and all of our other areas of life, all of our relationships, our relationship with self. And yeah, I think it's beautiful that you brought forth the the forgiveness piece of it too. I actually just had this conversation with somebody the other day in the healing of this that it's so important. We think that the healing is in our now, in our present and like who we are now when really some of the most 
critical aspects of our healing is to go back and do that inner child work and go back and see those parts of ourselves, that little boy, that little girl, that teenager, that adolescent who was told or shown or abused or treated in these ways that repressed how we expressed ourselves Mm -hmm. and, and caused us to carry through this shame and this guilt and to go back to those parts of ourselves and just love them and forgive them and say, you were just doing the best with what you had at the time. And so were the people who affected us. So were the parents who didn't want to talk about it. So were the parents that shamed us for it. So were the parents or the abusers that took advantage of us. So were the partners that we said yes, when we should have said no in all of those instances, can you go back and can you love yourself and Mm. remove that element of judgment and say, we were all just doing the best with what we had. That's exactly it. Yeah. Mm. I love that. And, and I agree. Um, in order for us to move forward, we have to heal who we used to be. Uh, who, who we're ashamed of still. Because that, that little one, that younger adult, that child still lives within you. And if you think it doesn't, there's never been a case where I haven't seen that doesn't come out yeah. you know um there there are memories that are locked into ourselves that we have to activate consciously to remove mm-hmm. and it's important and this is why I say you know if I'm not you someone that you see working find somebody mm-hmm. because and I say that through my experience too I seek so many teachers and in all different areas you know, a priestess teacher, a demonic teacher, an angelic teacher, a healer here. And I did that because each one could grab something out of me that the other couldn't. And it's so important that we begin to discover who is in alignment for us to help us navigate this because it's extremely challenging. I don't know who has done this, probably somebody I haven't met, but to do this on your own, Because when you're doing it on your own, you're getting stuck in the head. Mm -hmm. You have your mind to get through. Yeah. And you have a guide showing you how to how to access subconscious points. Yeah. That's gonna really unlock those those prompts. And I think that's um that's a big piece. You know, I'm just a proponent on people healing. This is and for me, that's really what this service is about is. I don't care if you choose. <laughs> I'm not yes. for everybody, but please choose somebody. Yeah. No, please choose because we need more people healing. And this is the time of the great awakening. It you know? is. And with that, it's going to be shed a lot of anger and resentment collectively from people, from collective energy that is or has been repressed. Mm-hmm. And it's coming out now. So you need some guidance. Yeah. And again, that element of shame can be what is preventing us from seeking that guidance because we live in this day and age where I think it is starting to shift because I have seen it and experienced it for myself, but just where we are really 
commended and idolized and put on a pedestal for being self-sufficient and and independent and and not having to ask for help and all of this work i mean the most profound healers and and teachers in the world they all had healers and teachers and i think that concept kind of falls by the wayside sometimes and we exactly as you said we get into our heads and we think I should be able to do this I should be able to figure this out and to be able to just take that step back and give ourselves the grace to say it's okay to ask for help and as a healer too I love how you just so beautifully put that that it's it's not who you go to like each of us as healers like we're a true healer in my humble opinion is not somebody who's chasing people down, like come get my services. Come like I'm offering this, I'm offering this. Like if, if you're meant to work with me or if you're meant to work with Kira, you're going to be drawn to us for a reason. So if you're drawn to somebody as a teacher, as a healer, pay attention to that and lean into that call. Yeah. Because just as you were called to go to that Tantra retreat when you felt like you didn't have the finances, that you were you were intimidated, it, it felt awkward and scary, but you went and it literally changed your entire life and opened up this whole new realm of possibility for you. It's that ability to, to acknowledge the fear and the apprehension and the uncertainty and when shame comes up or all of those preconceived notions that we are conditioned to believe we quote unquote should be or shouldn't do when all of that comes up to acknowledge it and say okay what is this here to teach me why is this specific person or situation calling to me yes absolutely and um, i think it's an important message for anyone that's listening to this to really feel into that is this your time to make a change? Are you ready to be done with your pattern? Are you ready to move forward um, to your true purpose? Because if we all think that our true purpose is to work nine to five at a job we don't like, go to sleep, wake up and do it again, well, you're in the illusion. Mm -hmm. Our job is to find fulfillment and happiness and to find our purpose. And when it comes to our purpose, you know it'll be there because you'll feel it inside. You'll feel not all the time elated, not happy all the time, but you know there's something you're working for. You can feel that every day. It becomes a passion, you know, and um, the calling, we all each have our own variation and version of it because if we all were healers and doing this, well, then that would look like a pretty linear world. <laughs> yeah. You know, there would be nothing. So we need a variety. We're all here to, to do something specific. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's time to step out of this matrix that, that the government has created, that the people who want to control us has created. Mm-hmm. This is a very real situation that's happening. And um, the fear that's coming or being imposed on us is from the fact because they know that we are awakening. Mm-hmm. And that we are going to speak our truth. And so it's a big time and it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And fear, as I'm sure you know, is 
the lowest vibrational frequency that we can resonate at and sitting in that fear and really, really embodying that fear, it will affect us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, the highest frequency we can resonate at is love. And Amen. <laughs> yeah, sis. <laughs> and so I just love, love this. Well, I love your love <laughs> and I oh. love your energy. And I just love everything that you bring forth and, and how you just weave all of it together so beautifully. And I think one of the big reasons why I was just so drawn to you and resonated so deeply with you is because you have this big beaming bright light of love, but you also, it's so evident to me, at least that you've also been so deep in the shadow and you put it in some way previously. And I don't remember your exact wording, but we've spoken many times about just being really deep in the shadow and the lessons that that has brought forth for you. So I'm curious, I guess, how, how has that shadow work and the work you've done in Tantra, how has that all kind of like interwoven and, and continued to come with you in this journey? How are those elements still present with you whether that's in the work that you're doing with yourself or the work that you're doing with clients, but how are shadow and Tantra and all of that kind of, all of the energy that's interwoven in there, how is that all a part of your present day? Mm. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I hate to put it to anyone that's listening to this, but the shadow work never ends. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's always, you know, and, and not in the way like, oh my gosh, life is always daunting. No, not at all. It's beautiful. But there's always going to be something um, that comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, once you do a big release of shadow work, you're good, you're fine. But then there's going to be something else that wants to show its face. And it's mm-hmm. not there to harm you. The triggers aren't there to harm us. They're there to show us, oh, it's time to get in alignment again. It's time to start moving one other so that you can be in this space of feeling fulfilled. So how does that reflect in my life? Well, with Tantra, you know, it reflects in my husband and I's, you know, unionship in the bed. You know, we've had, we do a lot of um, breathing techniques before we have sex or before we make love Mm -hmm. um, to begin to move our energies together. You know, that's Tantra. Yeah. It's starting to move the energies together, starting to build up that orgasm, right? Um, we, do, we do practices such as that. We do um, eye gazing. Eye gazing is a beautiful tool to use uh, with your partner. And what you do is, you know, you can sit on the bed or the couch and just get fully naked and, you know, sit from each other, sit across from each other and just stare into the eyes of your lover. Um, whether that's two minutes or five minutes, um, just take some time to really see the other person and then begin to caress each other. You know, we all want to just fuck like lions. <laughs> you know, we're like, ah! And 
and and it's like yeah we can fuck like lions sometimes and that's great because sometimes that primal instinct needs to get out and I just need to fuck you you know but other times other times it's about dropping it it's about beginning to move the energy it's about making love Mm -hmm. and love when you make it like that you go into the ether yeah you know and and so the practice is there and what's beautiful is my partner and I are actually working on um uh, couples workshops because we have, because we have experienced it, mm-hmm. we can now give it. And so we'll be, we'll be definitely utilizing that. Um, and the shadow work, integrating that in my life is when shadows come up, all right, it's time to sit. It's time to go hermit style. <laughs> you know, it's time to go inward. Mm-hmm. What's here? Why is it here? And I have a fight with myself often. Like, ah, it's fine. No, it's not. You know, and it, it's this piece about the shadow work. The first step is really just being conscious. Yeah. You know, if my partner triggers me and I'm like, well, that's fucking annoying. <laughs> I'm like, Isn't okay. Yeah, right. Like that's <laughs> fucking annoying. And why is this showing up for me? Yeah. Because really he's just reflecting something that triggered me internally. He did nothing. Mm-hmm. So now it's my opportunity to look at the shadow. Okay, what's coming up here? Oh, I'm feeling annoyed. He's telling me what to do. Well, why are you annoyed that he's telling you what to do? Because I don't like to be told what to do. And then when you start asking questions more and more and more, you get to the root. Oh, because when I was a child, I wasn't allowed to do this. And there's that energy block. Ah. Yep. So, so the, the shadow work, integrating that into the daily life, really the first step is just awareness. Bring awareness to when you're triggered. Stop, don't talk, you know, don't say something back to the person. Just yeah. sit in with it, you know, that's, that's, um, that's really helped. And, and these two aspects are what I utilize for my clients as well, you know, um, and getting curious. You know, there's often times where I'll be, you know, when I connect to divine spirit, myself, my higher self, I'll know when I need to trigger a somebody, you know, yeah. and they'll shut down. And some people, some healers or some other people say, you know, you need to create a safe space and stay there for some reason or another that that's not how my work goes. I'm supposed to be the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so with that, you know, I'll feel the shutdown. And, I'll, and that's when I cue them in. Now, what are you feeling? Yeah. Well, I'm really pissed because you said that. Ah, okay, good. Now let's go into that piece. Yeah. You know? and, and then we dance together. This is about a dance and, and not harm. This is about holding you with courage and bravery as you navigate these spaces where you haven't been before. And the light I'm just here holding the light as we walk down, but yeah. you're doing the work. You're doing the piece, you know, and what, what an honor to be able to witness someone. Go through that. Yeah. And I know it. I know it with every ounce of my being, what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So I can hold that space, you know, because man, we have all gone through it. I am not special to that. We have all gone through some, some horrendous stuff, 
Yeah. And it's just time to let go of it. You know? yeah. So yeah, I would say that's kind of how I utilize the Tantra aspect and the shadow aspect together. Yeah, I love that. And what kept resonating really deeply for me was the awareness piece. I mean, God, the amount of times that that word has come up for me, sometimes it's even <laughs> triggering, right? Cause I'm like, okay, yes, <laughs> I'm aware. I need to be aware, <laughs> very aware. <laughs> Oh, totally. I get it. (laughs) But I think the beautiful part about that awareness piece is as we start to really commit to that work and and working on thyself, as we become more and more aware of our triggers, of our patterns, of our past and what we need to look at and what situations keep bringing this kind of stuff up for us, as that awareness grows, it becomes harder and harder and harder to regress back Mm. to those past patterns, to the trauma bonds, to the codependency, to everything we start to witness. Because as we start to witness it and it's sitting there at the forefront of our mind and we can feel it, we can see it, we can see how it plays out in our life. As we start to go through those situations, that awareness grows stronger and stronger And that, again, is just another really profound element of our healing is Mm -hmm. allowing that awareness to be there to take our hand and guide us so that we don't continue to fall back into those patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's that piece, right? It's like it's the rebel archetype. Like when we're we're starting to awaken and we start becoming aware, um, when I say awaken, you know, that's very loosely said because awaken is such a word now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have many awakenings, you know, it's yeah. just really like being consciously more aware, yeah. you know. Um, but as we begin to go through that, we go through this phase of like the rebel, you know. Um, and and I've seen this actually with four of my clients recently. It's a pattern right now, but um, where they're on this awakening, right? But they're in the middle. They're in the middle of um, their old self and who they're becoming, right? And so there's this piece here, and and um, the piece here, the person you are now, is still attached to the old self, the old friends, the old family dynamic, all of those, right? And and people are saying, you've changed. I don't like this about you. I, why are you doing this now? This is weird. And you're like, oh, it is. So you kind of come back. But you're like, this isn't alignment anymore. Like, I, I'm, I need to be over here, you know? And I wish someone would have explained this to me because um, there was so much shame from my family and my old friends about who I was becoming. And I was weird and wow, you're doing some weird stuff and we're concerned about you, right? Because I was blasted wide open. I had no judgment, no self-concept of caring what other people thought. But as these voices trickled in, it brought me kind of back. And I was like, oh, yeah. there is going to be a time where you are going to have to rebel and not in a way that's unhealthy, where it's like, fuck you, I don't care about you. But the rebel I'm talking about is, is the rebel that says, I hear you and that's not me anymore. Yeah. I have the right to change. And there's going to be a piece where you're going to have to let go of your family members. There may be a piece that you're going to have to let go of friends that you've had since childhood. Yeah. 
you know, but it's for your greatest good. What is happening is you're no longer in a vibrational alignment to the people that you used to associate with. I had to detach from my family for a period of time because they're, they're imposing thoughts about who I was becoming wasn't in alignment for who they wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And so having to let go of mother wounds, of father wounds, of not being loved or seen by them, that was probably the hardest shedding. Yeah. You know, so I say that because anyone that is going through that process, give yourself permission to know you're in alignment and things are going to have to change. And that means cutting cords of people from the past. It's not to say now I am in, I am so close with my mom. I am so close with my dad. I love them wholeheartedly. But there was a period of two years where we just did not talk. Yeah. And, and that was hard. But now, because I allowed that to be cut, I can see them for who they exactly are, not what they did to me or what wounds they created in my life or how they hurt me when they did this. I can see them and just say, you're doing the best that you can. Mm-hmm. I love you. And you know what? Your child in you needs to be nurtured. Yeah. And when I show up that way, in such alignment in that way, it's shifted my mom. It's shifted my dad. It's shifted them in ways that maybe they won't even know, but I sense it. I see the energy. I feel the energy. And, and that's because I chose to stay in alignment with my path. So that rebel that wants to come out, know that um, that's okay too. You know, just know that, you know, I would say one other thing is, is with the rebel, you can go one of two ways, right? The healthy rebel, which is like speaking and communicating appropriately or the unhealthy rebel, which is fully like raging your way out of that old self. Yeah. A beautiful tool, it's a culture tool too, is whenever you're feeling, because I used to feel it right in my belly, I would be enraged, enraged. I had so much anger for so long. And I started grabbing a pillow and putting the pillow down and just slamming. Do that. And then while, while you're taking a break, just keep moving, allowing that energy to come up and flow out and then scream in the pillow. You know, whatever you need to scream, scream it. Make sure that you're utilizing and allowing that energy to come out of you. It needs to go somewhere. You can't be like, oh, well, this old life isn't working for me now, must it? No, it ain't gonna work. I'm sorry, girl. If you've got anger like I do, like I used to have anger. That just does not work. You cannot spiritually bypass the hatred you have felt from every wrongdoing that has been had by you. Yeah. You know, because in turn, all of those processes got you to where you are. So thank those processes. Yeah. Thank those people. Thank those hardships. I would not be where I am today if it was not for my hardships. My whole life has been emotional hardships. Mm-hmm. But it's because now I understand a variety and of, of emotions. I have compassion for so many different experiences. Yeah. How fucking lucky am I? <laughs> you know? 
So yeah, I really wanted to speak on that piece of the rebel and, and being in the middle of that in-between state of the old self and the new. That's a really important piece. I, I am so glad that you brought that up. And it mm. just really spoke to my soul. Not only past parts of me, but present as well. This is something I have been doing so much reflection and journaling on lately. Is this, oh man, it's like for me coming up is like this quote unquote hero's journey home, right? Like returning to the people and the places that were once so familiar and sources of comfort and to allow myself to know that there will be cords that have to be cut, whether it's my doing or somebody else's doing, whether it's what I want or what I need. And I also love that you touched on the fact that when you cut those cords, when you set those boundaries, when some of those relationships shatter, it's not always permanent. And I've had a very similar experience with my own mom. We didn't talk for at least six months out of one year. And then the other rest of that year was just very toxic for both of us. And now that I have come from that place of non-judgment and I have gone back and seen my younger self, her younger self, and just acknowledged those parts of both of us and said, you know, we were both just doing our best and we're both still just doing our best. And even if sometimes we're trying to express that love to one another and it isn't received on the other end, that I don't receive it the way that I would want to receive or perceive it the way that I would want, that it's still like, I, she's my mom. She's acting from a place of love. I'm her daughter. I'm acting from a place of love. We're human. We get triggered. We get angry. We get frustrated. We get bitchy. We'll let those female hormones take over. <laughs> and yeah, and to just be in that space to now reconnect. Yeah. And it's not always going to be like that. And just having peace with knowing that when you set healthy boundaries and, and you do follow your true calling and you change that it will trigger some people, it will shatter some relationships and some of those won't come back together and some of them will. And I just, I, I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you bringing this into this conversation and talking about the rebel. And I think even just the connotation around that word, like rebel can just be like a triggering word even to, to be in rebellion, to rebel. And, and as you so beautifully brought forth, you, it can be toxic. It can be from that space of the raging rebellion, mm. or it can be from a place of love and grace and compassion and non-judgment. And I just think that's such a profound piece of the journey is to, to give yourself permission to be that rebel and to also give other people permission to respond however they're going to respond and not let that mean anything about you. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad you touched base also on your experience with your mother. You know, this is so common. Um, this is where, for women at least, the womb healing begins. Mm-hmm. You know, is is our connection with our mother. You know, we have we have so much, um, so many cords and connections connected to the history of the mother and the daughter. For the mother and the son too, you know, and um, I think that piece in itself lends open to connecting back in again. Like once you start healing that mother wound, mm-hmm. there's really just an opening that happens. It's a softening. It's almost like, man, I'm just I'm tired of, of fighting to be loved. Yeah, you know to be loved the way that I want to be loved Um, because we all have our own version of that. And our mothers are human too. And most of them didn't get the tools um, they needed to show us how to love appropriately or openly or confidently, you know? So yeah, I just, I love that you spoke on that as well. Thank you, sister. Thank you for providing just such a beautiful, safe space to have that exchange. It's, uh, yeah, a very important one. And um, I also just wanted to dial back to what you were speaking on with Tantra and how that's still weaving a very important role in your life. Um, You did speak a lot about the couple's work. But I was also wondering if you could touch on, I mean, I myself have done some Tantra sessions just as a single individual. So I was wondering if you could also maybe give the listener a few tidbits of if you are single and you're not currently with a partner or you don't have somebody you feel comfortable going to a Tantra retreat or a Tantra experience of sort with, how can you do quote unquote self-work in the realm of Tantra? Mm. Yeah. So when it comes to self-work, what I know of Tantra is more of a white Tantra. Um, and white Tantra is really a heart-based Tantra practice. The so Neo-Tantra reminds me of like red Tantra. It's more sexual. It's more, um, you know, exploring sexuality. Mm-hmm. I have gained the most from heart opening with white tantra and those pieces are you know simple practices of eye gazing in the mirror at yourself you know um touching your own body slowly you know our fingertips hold so much energy and when we begin to touch we begin to connect back into our body you know and when when there's moments, because Tantra is the embodiment of the body, right? Like it's all about like bringing forth our highest life force energy through activating the chakras, activating, you know, any kind of stagnant energy. And how we also do that is by opening the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, another practice I do when I'm feeling just like, like I, I'm not worthy because I still have those I'm like, I just don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Um, 
oh, I, I'll hug myself and I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, Kira, I love you. You are doing so much. And I also hear that you're really not seeing yourself right now. I'm really, really sorry. You know, and I'll just hold myself. This is a Tantra practice. You know, this is reconnecting to your divinity, your Shakti. You know, and it's just remembering that you too come from the cosmos. That you are embodied in all that is. And you're just here temporarily in this human body having a human experience. And so to remember that for me um, really brings me back into alignment and this, this piece, you know, and doing opposite, when you put opposite hands and press down on your body, it actually helps regulate the nervous system, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, white-based Tantra, I really love. A, a lot of it does include like having a partner, um, a friend, even a friend, not, not um, a relationship, but having, you know, there's a beautiful one you can do. Um, it's a women's practice together where it's just really activating and beginning to touch the breasts and opening up that life force energy together um, because women together um, is extremely powerful. Yeah. And especially when you touch another woman, not in a way of sexuality, but you are honoring their body and you're opening their life force energy. And because women just have that potency and that innate ability to create magic together, mm-hmm. you know, there is something magical about opening the sexual energy of another woman. Yeah. Um, and, and I had the privilege of doing that in Greece. Um, I was at another Tantra practice for three weeks in Greece, like three months ago. Um, was and that really, Ista as well? No, no. This one was um, by a retreat facilitator called Sama Karuna. Okay. They're based in Indonesia, um, but it was a three-week white tantra practice, and wow. so um, women got to go separate from the men for a little bit, and we really got to dive into what it is to have our sexual um, expression mm-hmm. seen by other women. You know, and that's that's actually a whole um, different feel as well that um, took me off guard. And I was like, oh, it feels different without men. here." Yeah. You know, um, so that that actually took that actually created more learning for me, too, was to, how to really see another woman's body um, without, you know, side peeking at a penis, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was um, it was really great. But. I would say definitely the self-love portion with Tantra, um, your individual self is, is give that love that you wish to have received. For example, when my partner isn't giving me the attention I think he should give me mm-hmm. um, or that I want, I'll go into my room and look at the mirror and just hold myself. What do you want? What do you want from him that you can give yourself? Mm. I want a hug. Hey, what do you want to hear? That I'm sexy. <laughs> you're so fucking (laughs) oh god I love your body you know and I'll say it all to myself and afterwards I swear women men if you're listening to you should try it it really works 
the resentment piece that I used to have, the pattern of resentment because he didn't do what I wanted him to do mm-hmm. goes away because I gave it to myself. Oh, damn, I have the power to do <laughs> Okay, you know, take back your power. Yeah, and to know that that can exist in a healthy, loving relationship. I think yeah. that's beautiful to just be in that space where you know that you are in this sacred union and sometimes you still have to go love yourself and go hug yourself and, and go sit with those wants and needs and desires and really get to root of the root of where they're coming from and, and give that to yourself first before you ask for it from the other. And then when you do receive it from the other, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume it's just that much more powerful when he then does give you that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's coming from an authentic place for him. It's not coming out of, I really would wish that you would say this to me. I really wish you would do this for me. Why don't you do this for me? And that was a really hard pattern for me. I was a very passive aggressive um, person uh, when it came to relationships um, in my really unhealthy days. And so really to communicate um, my needs in a loving way, but also the needs that I can meet myself, I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's true. It's like, then I can really show up and he shows up in such a loving union, you know? Yeah. Yeah, That's so beautiful. And I think again, with just that notion that when we're in this partnership with another, that the love that we're seeking in that relationship is always coming from them, right? Where the self-love that we need to give ourselves in order to get to a place where we can be in a healthy, loving relationship, that still has to continue when we are in sacred union. And I mean, I know that I'm guilty of that in previous relationships by, by thinking exactly like you said, like, you should be doing this for me. Why aren't you doing this for me? And, and forgetting that I can also do that for myself in a healthy way within the container of that relationship. And then it's coming from a place of true self-love and, and desire from our love for that other person instead of that place of need, because that, that almost can push somebody farther away when it's like, you need to do this or I need you to do this, or why aren't you doing this? That it's like coming from a place of lack, right? Like I need you to fill this hole, not literally in this sense, but (laughs) maybe literally too. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But there's a quote that just really hit me a few years ago that was where we we're taught to look for our other half when really we should be looking for our other whole. We should mm, make yes. ourselves whole and then look for our other whole. And that has always just stuck with me. And I think everything you're speaking to here oh. is just so in alignment with that. Oh, totally. I can, I can totally agree with that. You know, for me, um, I've been a runner uh, and what I mean by a runner is uh, I, 
I don't like to stay in commitment. And when I met my partner, I was very certain that I wanted to be in a polyamory relationship. He had met me actually a month after I got back from Tantra, my first Tantra. And so I was like gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was out in the ethers. I was talking to people. I was doing things. You know, I, I couldn't care less about being human. Uh, but, you know, it was like, and I really just had this deep desire for freedom for freedom. And so when you talk about um, that piece of like these expectations we put on our partners that you need to do this, you need to do that, you're imprisoning another human. And it took me a long time. I mean, just recent where I'm finally in full alignment of this unionship. I, I love my partner more than anything, but there was a deep desire to remain free. And all of a sudden, it just came to me. It was like, you are free. You are always. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. You know, the, the only restrictions really are to not sleep with other men. <laughs> and I'm okay with that now, you know. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, an, that's a fine piece for me. Um, and it was like getting right with understanding that he needs to know I'm my own person. He doesn't need to keep track of me every minute of every day. And I don't need to keep track of him every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. He needs to go experience his own experiences. And I need to experience my own experiences. And together, then we connect. You know, we, we want to like, so many of us just want to stay attached. Like, you didn't tell me this. You didn't tell me that. I, I, what's going on with you? You know, like this concern and this need for all the information. Yeah. And you have to know that you are with somebody who is their own human. Yeah. And you have to honor that. And that that's been a very big challenge for me. I've wanted to control and mold and, and manipulate the men in my life who I, I think they should be. And that was a big shadow aspect I had to release as well. You know, um, yeah. and I'm grateful I did because it feels so much better. <laughs> Yeah. God, I was working so hard. <laughs> and he was perfect all along. <laughs> oh my goodness. I yeah. just relate to that so much. Again, I my pattern was falling in love with people's potential mm -hmm. and trying to change them, trying to be controlling and manipulative and overbearing. And and it was coming from a place of love. It was coming from that place where I see you and I see that great big beautiful heart and soul that you have and I see your profound potential and at the time it was and I want to change you to get you to see that for yourself or now it's like no they have to see that for themselves first and then come together in union with you and I mean still living the single life over here it's been a struggle to really sit with that knowing and be in this process of waiting and patience and just knowing what I want and knowing that feeling that I am desiring and allowing for that to happen exactly when it's meant to, instead of imposing myself on somebody else, even when I do see beautiful characteristics in them and certain aspects of them that maybe I do fall in love with but 
are they their own whole? Have they witnessed that all in themselves first to be able to step into that union? Yeah, I think, you know, so many of us can relate to that. Yeah. And relationship, being in relation with another is, for me, I mean, just this is my personal experience, is one of the most challenging uh, lessons there is whether that's with my sons or with my husband, you know, those, I, I want a hermit and I don't want to talk to anybody, but then what's the purpose of this life? Yeah. The only reason I want a hermit and not talk to anybody is because I don't want to see the reflection of myself, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so our relationships are here to show us how to move forward, how to grow, and how to ultimately love unconditionally. Yeah. So I feel you, sister, on that one. That was, mm-hmm. a, that was a tough one. Oh, yeah. And I think that's also where I'm struggling right now, too, is exactly like you said, like to, to be in that union and to, it's, it's quote unquote easier, right? To be by yourself and to hermit. And as, as much as the self-work can be powerful and, and can bring you into that space of being ready to be with another, that work just gets catapulted to a whole new level when you are with somebody else. And so for me right now, I'm desiring that container of a relationship where I can further this growth, where I can be triggered and see those mirrors and allow everything that I myself as a single soul right now have not been able to bring forth to heal and to work on and to strengthen as my own single entity. I'm craving that connection that as hard as it may be in those moments, I want somebody to trigger me. I want that mirror to slap me in the face and say, y'all bitch, like this is what you got to work on now. (laughs) (laughs) You can't hermit in this one. You got to face this one. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I feel that. (laughs) So where do you think you are now as far as that you want that? But what do you believe is stopping you from that or, or holding you from maybe be seeing somebody? Um, you know, honestly, I think before, like until very recently, it was that notion that I still had so much self-work to do before I was ready to be in a relationship. And it has only really been recently where I have come to this space where I am now open. My heart is open to receiving that if and when the opportunity arises and, and to also start putting myself out there more and like to hold myself accountable for that. Um, there are some more intricate details to this that we can talk about (laughs) at lunch on Thursday, but, (laughs) um, yeah, I think, but you really just now are feeling ready that this is pretty new. Yeah. Ah, okay. So you're just starting to build that momentum. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Nothing yeah. holding you back. You're just building. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and also acknowledging the times in my past where I thought I was ready to be in a relationship or I was in a relationship when 
I really shouldn't have been like, it was, it was a trauma bond or a codependent pattern. Um, and, and not to say like, when I say shouldn't, like all of those obviously added a lot of value and allowed me to grow in the ways that I needed to grow at the time. Um, but also just, yeah, just now having the awareness of the patterns that I was repeating and having done the work that I feel like I have needed to do on my own to heal those alone. And then now just being in that space where it's like, okay, like now I'm ready to be with somebody who's also willing to bear witness and, and to also be vulnerable in their own patterns and, and be receptive to what I have to bring to the table as well. So that we can come together and grow together. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that um, when we're ready, when we've done the self-reflection and the self-work and we feel that that next phase is in union with somebody so that we can go to that next level and I like to look at it as like, okay, I'm going to be shown just how far I've really gotten. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like you're like, I thought I was good, but I don't know about this. Yeah. But oh. uh, no, I'm kidding. I mean, it, it's, it's partially true that yes, like we will be seen. We'll, they will show us where we really are. Oh yeah. And, sure. you know, I think the man in general is evolving as well emotionally. Yeah. You know, and, and it seems to be that more men are, are choosing to, to really embrace their emotion. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole new wave of men coming in. You know, um, my partner is 46 and, you know, he comes from a line of carpenters and hard workers and get the job done. You know? mm-hmm. And um, one of the biggest challenges for me in that relationship was, having to step up as the divine feminine, Mm. you know, showing him the way of love. Yeah. That has been challenging because I have just learned how to show myself the way of love. Mm. So, so really like we really meet the partners that help us evolve even deeper into our own selves. Yeah. You know, and so no matter what, you're not getting out alive without some type of lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're receptive to the lesson, if you yeah. don't just get into that stage of raging rebellion, as we talked totally. about before and just go, no, totally. like, kind of like F you kind of headspace. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's really been a privilege to being down here and bearing witness to beautiful relationships like yours and Brian's and and being able to spend so much time here with Sandy and Troy and and just Mm -hmm. people where it is really just reaffirmed the possibility that awaits and seeing people who can be in that dance together and have so many differences and yet so many similarities and as you said like walk your own paths, but also still be walking together. It's, 
Yeah, I just want to acknowledge you and Brian for that and Sandy and Troy, if and when they listen to this episode and all of the other beautiful relationships I've had the honor of witnessing when I've been here because, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was a time when I was really losing hope in the possibility of that. And I have struggled to like... I really love that you also say that there's this wave of men coming in who are really doing the emotional work and, and raising their own awareness and awakening for lack of a better term. Um, Because I do think comparatively, there are more women than men who are doing that. And also I think just innately, I think this has been carried through since the beginning of time that it happens earlier for women, that women just kind of have that emotional maturity and that um, opening of their consciousness at an earlier age. Not always, obviously, but I think that's more common than not. And so to, yeah, just for that time and space that I was in previously, I was just there was almost like this aspect of resentment there for me and just like this um, animosity and this kind of like, I was really losing hope, right? Like that, that was possible. Yeah. And I, I've been very blessed, honestly, with my relationships in the past that none of them have been abusive or like overtly toxic. We've definitely been each expressing our own trauma bond patterns and anxious or avoidant attachment styles and codependency and all of that. But again, just as you said, it brought me exactly the lessons that I needed to learn. Um, And to also just acknowledge each and every one of those partners for who they were and, and to have seen all of the incredible aspects in all of them that have just brought forth to my own awareness of exactly what I am looking for and yeah maybe I'm not gonna elaborate on what I was gonna elaborate (laughs) on because I was like I don't I don't know if I'm ready to put this out give us us the juice (laughs) I was just gonna say there's um a particular person that um really played a big role in my journey especially Mm. Um, more recently of me becoming who I am and knowing what I want and what I'm worth and um, yeah just like really beautiful to have experienced that and navigating yeah just going forward from there and knowing um, all of the incredible things that that brought into my life and uh, yeah just knowing that that's real and um despite uh the differences at the time and and the way that things unfolded at the time just sitting with all that it brought me and how grateful I am for it yeah I mean you've really been on a journey (laughs) yeah especially as of late you know a lot of deep diving a lot of reflection and It's all building up to who you're going to be and even showing up more powerful in relationships and to being of service to humanity. Yeah. And I am so personally grateful to have gotten to meet you 
to mm. be friends, to connect with you because you are a light in this world. And the work that you're choosing to do now will show that. Thank you so much, sister. Yeah. Mm. Fully received with so much love. And mm. I just, I share that same love and deep reverence for you. And just, I'm so, so grateful that we were able to connect when we did and that we were able to share that journey of really just being broken wide open in the container of that training and that space of learning and, and having to be literally from day one, just so vulnerable with one another and, and to feel just so seen by you and so supported by you that whole time and to have just deepened that connection as of late and watched you continue to grow and blossom and just be a source of inspiration for me too it's it's really been incredible and I'm deeply grateful for it and I again I know it's not the first lifetime and it won't be the last so thank you so much <laughs> well, I think that would be a beautiful place to just leave off today. And I really just want to thank you for being here and for just breathing so much love and knowledge and wisdom into our listeners today and just for bringing your beautiful presence and the full authentic you forth. It's just <laughs> always so beautiful to be in your presence from near or far. And I'm just so grateful that this worked out and can't wait for us to chat some more on Thursday. I know I we have so much <laughs> to talk about. I was like, <laughs> even when we were just talking before we started recording, I was like, holy shit, we could do a whole podcast on this right totally. here, right now. Like, totally. <laughs> Maybe we will in the future. That'll be, that'll be a second podcast. Yeah. Part two. <laughs> Stay part tuned, two. everybody. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to leave <clears throat> off with before we close today? I just want to say whoever's listening thank you thank you for showing up for yourself for getting curious about doing the work and know that there's always someone out there to hold and support you whenever you need May the journey for you continue to thrive and not survive. Mm. <laughs> Blessing. Aho, sister. Aho. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Big Little Soul podcast. As always, much love from my big little soul to yours. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. If you found this episode or any other episodes of the podcast to be insightful, enlightening, and thought-provoking, I would so very much appreciate if you could head on over to whatever host you're listening on and give the podcast a review to help it reach more ears. Your time and feedback truly mean the world, so thank you in advance. Big love to you today and every day.